Good morning, everyone. It's uh, great to see all of your faces this morning, or most of your faces, I should say. It's, it's good to have you all here. Great to have you all online as well. Um, as you all probably know, Jefferson County has dropped its mask mandate, as have we, which is awesome. <clears throat> but we also want to acknowledge that some people are still going to be wearing masks, and that is perfectly fine. So if you don't want to wear a mask, feel free to not wear a mask. If you are more comfortable wearing a mask, please keep your mask on, and let's just be considerate of each other regardless of what you decide. Um, but we just want to be uh, grateful that hopefully we're moving forward out of this pandemic. This is a good sign at least. So again, great to see you all this morning. We've got a bunch of announcements. I'm going to start with uh, Jenny Ward. So Jenny, why don't you come up and talk about our meals ministry? Yeah, good morning. Um, so for those of you that don't know, we have a meals ministry here at Hillside, and um, it's just a really great opportunity to serve people that have either had babies or are in the midst of an illness or surgery or um, just different life events that, you know, sometimes you just need some meals. So anyway, if you would like to participate, you can come and see me. Um, I usually send out uh, those via email, so I'll just collect your email address and get you on the list. But um, over the last two years, we've served over 15 families and served over 100 meals. So. That's really encouraging, and I hope that we can continue to do more. So if you guys need a meal, I'm the person to reach out to, or, um, yeah, if you know others that need meals, please reach out to me. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. Yeah, that is an amazing ministry, and you know if you've benefited from that, how nice it can be to have someone bring you a meal and not have to prepare it. So great ministry. Contact Jenny if you've got any questions or want to be involved in any way. Um, youth group. Our youth group is strong and vibrant here at the church, and it's uh, done really well through COVID. Um, they continue to meet on Wednesday evenings under Braden and Allie Flack's leadership, and they are going to resume meeting on Sunday mornings. We haven't done that for a while, so they are going to begin meeting on Sunday mornings again. So again, youth group next Sunday will be meeting during the service. So we'll probably dismiss them right after the first worship set as well. They'll go in and meet um, in, the, in the coffee shop for that. So that's exciting to see that back up and running. Also, this week we have our monthly prayer meeting. Um, the third Wednesday of every month, we have a gathering of the prayer team and anyone else that is interested in joining. Um, sometimes that is in person. Robin, do we, are we doing that in person or are we just doing Zoom? Okay. <clears throat> yeah, so um, definitely on Zoom and uh, most likely in person at 6.30 here at the church on Wednesday evening. So if you want in information on that, just go to the website, go to the ministry section, go to prayer ministry, and you can get the information on that, and you can actually request the Zoom link through that website as well. So again, that's just a great opportunity to come together as a church and pray for issues of the nations, issues of the church, issues of families in the church, etc. Um, also, the prayer team is available after the service. Um, so if you have anything that you want to be prayed for or uh, anything you want to have, you know, have them pray over you for, just go next door to the coffee shop, go to the back room behind the barn doors, and the prayer team is back there to pray with you. And then lastly, we will be doing children's ministry this morning. Um, so right after the first worship set, the kids will be dismissed. Uh, so if you're new here and you want your kids to go to Sunday school, just go out into the lobby and we will get them set up in the right location. Okay, I think that's it for today, so let's uh, pray for our time together. Father God, we uh, just come before you, um, grateful to be here, grateful to be, just have this congregation together, grateful that we are 
seeing signs of moving out of this pandemic. And Lord, we just pray for your continued protection upon us as we uh, move forward uh, back to normalcy. And Lord God, we thank you that we come together to hear your word, to worship you, to uh, be encouraged by one another. And we just pray for unity, Lord, unity in this church, unity with you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we pray that you would just speak into our hearts and minds today. And Lord, as we consider the world around us and everything that's going on politically and such, we just pray, Almighty God, <clears throat> about the potential conflict in Ukraine. And we pray that it would become nothing more than potential, that it would not actually happen. We pray against that potential conflict. And we just pray for peace in that region, Lord. And we pray for the people of Ukraine. We pray for the people of Russia. We pray for everyone involved in this, that they would just find peace in their hearts. Lord God, we pray for the leaders on both sides and the leaders around the world that we'd be able to work through this. And Lord, mostly, we just pray that you would be known, that Lord, you would reveal yourself to these people, people that live in darkness, and just that you would reveal yourself to them and that they would find Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We pray these things in his name. Amen. stand and worship today.
Yes, I am. All right. Little kiddos, you guys can head downstairs. And the rest of you can chat with each other. Say hello to someone. Chairs, seats, move. Check, check. Hello, hello. Hello, Hillside. Micah, thank you. Isaiah, attentive. That's what happens when you're in the front row. So fun to watch this. I love that we're in a place where we're gathering more and we're able to greet, see, kind of collaborate in life a little bit more. So it's, that's enjoyable. Now, I, I know for me, I'm excited also, um, having been involved in youth group for so long. I know Braden and Allie are excited about next week 
Um, just so you know, one of the things that we're going to be doing in youth group is following along what's being taught in there. So every Wednesday when we meet as elders, whoever's preaching that coming Sunday brings a devotion out of what it is that we're going to be studying, and we give input, and usually they give me a lot of corrections and tell me, no, wrong direction, wrong interpretation. <laughs> it's usually Sean that does it too. <laughs> um, but, but in that, what we do, we're going to start taking those notes and sending them to Braden and Allie so that they can also be going through the very same things that we're going through in here. So conversations at home with your kiddos can mirror a little different. It's generationally appropriate stuff, but it'll mirror what we're learning in here. So I'm excited about that. Let me pray for us and move us into our message today. Father, as I stand here, I stand with just emotions and thoughts, uncertainties. Life is tough. There's a lot that can go on in our world in a given week that can derail us, cause us to question, wonder where you're at in the middle of the things that we deal with. We might even find ourselves frustrated, angry. Why? Father, I pray today that we would be able to answer some of those questions, that we would be encouraged to know who we are, that we can rest upon your sovereignty, even in the mess and the chaos and the unknown. Father, I, I anchor myself to that this morning. Even looking at what's going on in and around our lives, I pray that we would all anchor to that this morning. We pray this in your heavenly name, Jesus. Amen. So just to be forthcoming, I've been reading a couple of articles and commentaries by John Piper, um, also John MacArthur, and some working preaching commentaries. So that gets my pleasurism off of the list, because after I read some of it, I'm like, I don't know where that came from specifically, but just to say those are some great resources that I've been able to dig into. As you guys know, we've been studying the book of Galatians, a letter to the church of Galatia. And in that, we're in this section right now, which is really fun, because the first one was about identifying justification, what it looked like. This one is justification and the, the opportunities that it gives us to be part of God's family. The promises that we've been talking about through faith over the last month, now we get to see some of the benefits of it, some of the things that the Lord God has called us to be. So the Apostle Paul, as well as all of us, should be, passionate about this issue. We should all recognize that there was a time where there was this law, but now we are in Christ Jesus. There's an incredible contrast that Paul's going to pull apart for us. This contrast between what it looks like to be legalistic, to live in accordance to this law and this structure of things, this trying to do it myself mentality, and then what does it look like to live in Christ? So under the law, we were in the flesh, hostile towards God, couldn't even obey him, could not please him. Now that we're in Christ, we can obey. We can be empowered by the Holy Spirit and actually long to obey the things that God wants of us in our lives so that that can become a pattern of how we live. See, the law and legalism and doing it on our own accord can lead to guilt and helplessness which is completely devastating. However, it can also show us that we need a savior because we cannot please God by following the law. 
So let's read this together. This is Galatians 3, 23 through 29, and it says this. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come could be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. But now that this faith has come, we are no longer under the guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized, who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew or Gentile, neither slave or free, nor there is male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, his offspring, and heirs according to the promise. So today, as we walk through this, we're going to see very clearly that there is a before and there is an after. And it even starts this section by saying before. Like before, when we were in this law, we did things a certain way. And now we move to the after components of it, having Christ Jesus in our world. We're going to uncover the details of what it looks like to be justified by faith, understanding the impact that has on the way that we even see ourselves the filter and the lens in which I look at who I am and the way that we perceive and see the people that are around us. This morning, we're also going to reveal the significance of the promises that were given to Abraham that exist for everyone in this room who believes Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. But we've got to start with the before, the law component of this. Like, what does this come from and what did this really do and why did we have the law? And we've been unpacking that for a couple of weeks Gus has done a great job of just taking us to these places of understanding, well, this is so important to Paul that he's continuing on with that. Like, we're, we're talking about this this week. It's like, okay, another angle, another angle. And Galatians, if you read through it, can be pretty repetitive. And you wonder why it's repetitive. Well, I think it's repetitive because this is really important. Important for them then, but also important for us now. Because if, if you remember, Paul is addressing these Judaizers. These Judaizers that were telling people, you've got to do these things in order to be part of God's family. Paul is saying, no, there's a whole new order. There's a whole new way in which we need to look at our faith. So before, when we read this verse, we can see clearly that we were held in custody. Actually, like a custodian. And not a custodian of cleaning a place, but a custodian who is overseeing something of importance. They have custody of it. It is as if we're locked up. We are imprisoned. We are under a guardian who is watching over us. So let's start here. The custodian being locked up. The meaning is the law was not able to provide justification. The captivity of sin was still upon us, putting us in a place where we could not get rid of it. And it was actually becoming overbearing for people. Feel it, right? If we continue to live in our sin, it can feel as if we're locked up in this place. If you try to rely on the law, your own efforts, in any religious platform that is outside the gospel of Jesus, you will continue to find yourself being locked up. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up, imprisoned, until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the custodian in this is the one that would provide direction and restraint. 
It prescribed the way a young child might need to move through life by someone who was more mature to give them insights into the things that they should do and shouldn't do. Not as a parent, but as a custodian. Someone who was guarding them and making sure. It would be like making sure your kiddo would get up on time and arrive to places on time. In this, you see how this applies to Israel. So Israel was given a custodian. Someone that would tell them through the law, here's my expectations of you. But it could not give Israel a new heart, nor could it give them an inheritance. See, the law instructs us, and it instructed that youthful Israel to live a life of faith in the merciful promises that God provided. But the response was usually from their side, kind of adolescent rebellion, right? Kind of like us sometimes. So living in this occupied state, this locked up position under a custodian, we will generally find ourselves beating against the walls. We're trying to be taught, but we end up finding ourselves then in a rebellious place because we can never fulfill those expectations on our own. Which leads us to the next point. This is kind of a guardian imagery. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Not by the law, because the law could never justify. Now that this faith has finally come, we are no longer under the guardian. So um, there's this really cool understanding of what was really going on back in that time between Greeks and Romans. And the word is paidagogos. And this really means tutor, disciplinarian, and guardian. It's kind of a hard thing to translate into English because we really don't have that right now. We don't have this guardianship that we have in our lives. But this is what was going on back then. If you were a more wealthy or middle-class family, you would actually hire one of these tutors, not an instructor, not a teacher, like to teach you how to do grammar and English, but to walk around you and say, don't do that. Stop doing that. This is where you should be going. So this guardian is what Paul is referring to, and that's what he's referring to as it as it kind of applies to this law, which was telling Israel and was also telling us, don't do that. Stop doing that. And, and that can become overwhelming. In this instant, many times it was seen and depicted as often very cruel. If you look at the old pictures of that time, usually those individuals who were the tutors, disciplinarians, and guardians had a rod and a cane in their hand. Smack, right? Just keeping people in line. And if you've ever had children, sometimes it'd be nice to maybe find yourself one of these tutors. <laughs> but as we look through this, we recognize there was no solution under the law. The solution was found in Jesus Christ. And what this law was, was a guardian, a custodian, to reveal our needs for who Jesus was. This Messiah who was going to come and reestablish this whole new way of gaining acceptance, being seen, and moving with God. We read this 2 Corinthians 3, 6 verse. You can see in all of Paul's writings, when you start to understand this concept, how important this is to him for us to get. Who has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant? So we now, because of faith in Jesus, have been made sufficient to be ministers of this new covenant, this covenant that is faith, established in believing in who Jesus is. Not of the letter, which is the law. So not because of what's in the book, but because of the Holy Spirit that now dwells within us. For the letter actually kills, but the Spirit 
gives life. So in that, we recognize that because of the custodian, the guardianship, it, it is kind of a destructive means, not giving solutions, and it can be incredibly frustrating. If you're doing things constantly and you continue to find yourself repeating that over and over again, it could be as if there is no salvation. But what the law pointed to was this, that before there was the law, all tools, all designed to reveal sin, keep us mightily, mightily aware of unholy action, but also to prepare us for who Jesus was. See, all of Scripture is designed by God. It's designed as an ultimate navigational instrument to reveal who Jesus was, to point us to who he is going to be in our lives, to help us understand that there is a before way and an after way. And this is true even for us, who are mostly Gentiles in this room, who came to faith not through Jewish paths, but we were revealed this truth after this whole law thing had been settled because of the coming of Jesus. So there were four characteristics in what the law brought. There's also now four characteristics in what faith brings. And these characteristics are, I, I just think, amazing and give me incredible peace today. Transformations that occur because of faith are we become children of God, clothed with Christ, one in Jesus and heirs to the kingdom of God. So before we can see who we were, and now we can see who we can become because of Jesus. Not what we do, or not by the letter of the law, but because of faith in Christ Jesus and believing in who he is and through the power of the Holy Spirit moving in our world. Kind of a different way of understanding it, right? I think if you're like me, I'm a performance-oriented dude. Like I want to make sure that I go through life and do things well. And I'm not saying we step aside because we know that part of our salvation is working out our salvation with fear and trembling. We've got to see the things in our lives, but we're doing it now as part of God's family not out of trying to live up to these law expectations. We do it because I want to be compelled to represent and honor my God, which is a different way of doing things. Let's read through this section. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children. The original text says sons. I put that in there because in that time it was important to understand that sons were the ones that would gain the inheritance. And it was just cultural 2,000 years ago but also to understand that what he's meaning for us today is that because of this, you become children. And so, important to understand. But you become children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, having clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ then you are Abraham's seed. The same things that were spoken of in Genesis 17 that Gus has been talking about, we are that because of our faith, because this faith has come and now we're heirs according to the promise. So let's look at the first example, being children of God, being children through faith. So many people wrongly believe that everyone is a child of God. Since human beings are created in God's image, we are loved by God, there is a love that he has for his creation. But the Bible says, no, you are not just God's child because you are his creation. There's only one way to become a child of God. Every human being is designed by God and loved by him. But we can only become his children when we are adopted by him. Because of our sin, we live under the oppression of Satan. 
the ruler of this world. We are enslaved by sin and live to follow its instructions. Sin has drenched humanity, and we cannot enter the presence of a holy God. Our sin must be forgiven and our nature restored before we can have fellowship with the one we have offended. So in that, our faith gives us that opportunity, that acquittal of our guilt, forgiven of our sins and thus then adopted into God's heavenly family. You now have the name and identity of God because you were adopted into his family. These verses, Ephesians 1, 5 says this, he predestined us for adoption. So when we look back at what was going on with Abraham, this is that predestining part of it. When he says to Abraham, I will make your numbers greater than you can even possibly imagine, this is the predestination of him saying, I'm going to adopt you people. So even back in Genesis 17, he was thinking of you being adopted into God's family according to the purpose of his will. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We say, Daddy, you are ours and we belong to you. Because of this faith, we now have an opportunity to see this written on our lives. So for me, I look at it and um, I just am amazed at times that I am actually named after God. I don't know what God's last name is. But when you look in the Lamb's Book of Life, that's where my name is. And it's anchored in there because I am a child of God. Because I believe through faith that Jesus died on the cross. And he rose. And he conquered sin. And so for everyone in this room that believes that, you've been given a new name. You've been given the name that that only God has and you've been ushered into his family. You are his child. If we were to wake up every morning and go to bed every night thinking that, really embracing that, really understanding that that's our identity, that's the first thing that we have to realize, we're God's children. We have a new name. We're part of what it is that he's doing. So for me and my family, as you guys know, and we have a story of adoption. And in my world, whether you're a biological child or an adopted child, you still are under Team Shive. You're part of our family. The same influences, the same movement. I don't count one child more important than the other. And the same is true how God sees us. So just as my daughter is able to move in my house under all of what I have, and it's not much, but it is us. I wake up in the morning and I see her in the same way that I would see my son. And that's how God sees us, being adopted into his family. And then next, we find ourselves being clothed with Christ. We see that we have this new affiliation and this new transformation. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed, have clothed yourself with Christ. And in other translations, it says you have put on Christ. Now, if you understand this, um, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring a little football into this. Because. So, here's what's crazy. If you look at what's been going on the last couple of weeks, it's pretty easy to tell who's, who's rooting for what teams, right? They wear the gear. Some people hang flags outside of their house. I drive through Nebraska, and I see big in signs for Nebraska as if they're rooting for anyone else, right? But in that, they start to clothe themselves. 
And in clothing themselves with that attire, they start to represent that team. They've never played for that team. They might not even like know every name of the person on that team, but it's what drives them, right? It's as if we become kind of set apart as being the ones that want to rec be recognized for that team. Now, you might choose to be like a, a Raiders fan, and I'm sorry, but if you're a Raiders fan, you're recognized a certain way, right? Especially in Colorado. I didn't put them up here. I put the two teams that are playing today. Fortunately, I don't really care who wins. I like the story of both of them. <laughs> so I could dress either way. But the, the gist of this is to say, in our lives, we tend to clothe ourselves. We tend to do it for social, economic, belief systems, value systems, cultural status, priorities in life. We tend to be around people. We start buying the same things. We start looking the same way. We start to create this affiliation and we start to be transformed. Well, the same is true for what Paul was trying to address. See, back in the day, the people of Israel became circumcised so that they would be set apart. They were baptized into God, and this was a delineating thing that they did so that they would know and the people around them would know that they belong to God. They're part of God's chosen people. And what Paul is saying is we have been circumcised in our heart now. We have been set aside, we have been consecrated, and we are now clothed with Jesus. So we don't have to go and do what all these Judaizers were saying. You don't have to go and do the circumcision thing or the law things. Like, they addressed this. They even went to, the, to Jerusalem and sat down with Peter and the dudes and said, hey, do we have to do this? And they said, no, you don't. That's contrary to what we want. But what Paul is saying is what I want you to recognize is you've now been clothed you have put on Christ. You have a new affiliation. And when God sees you through Christ, who is our mediator, who stands and reveals to God the people who are with him, he sees him. You are clothed with that. Paul has resolved the conflict. He makes it clear that you are set apart now because of your faith. Colossians 3.12 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Romans 13 says this, the night is now far gone, the before. The day is at hand. So let us cast off all the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh or ways to gratify its desires. Recognizing that we have been circumcised in our heart through our established faith, we are set apart because of this faith and we are recognizing that we've put Christ on in our lives. We are children of God. We are clothed by Christ Jesus, and we are one in Jesus. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, this, this is a big deal. So there was significant judgments that were going on then, as we also have in our world now. But the judgments back then were, if you're Jewish, you got it all together. Like, you got it, you're, you're on the right course. And this is even what Paul thought. 
I'm the Pharisee of Pharisees. I did everything right. And he would look around and he would judge everyone in accordance to his Jewishness. Jesus came. You remember the woman at the well? He had to go through Samaria to address and break down these dividing walls. Jesus did it, met her at the well, and her whole village was changed. The people around him were like, how, how, why are you talking to a woman, Rabbi? Why are you talking? Why do we have to go through Samaria? Samaria are those weird people that aren't Jewish. What Paul's saying, there is no Jew, there is no Gentile, we are together. There is no slave, there is no free, there is no male, and there is no female. We are all equal. Not a social unity or a cultural equality, not the most recent media trend or social justice crusade, but true and real biblical unity and equality. That's what we have. Going back to the original context of this letter, each of these delineations were significant. And what Paul is saying is that we are all equal as God's children. We are all equally clothed with Christ. We are equal in our salvation. Nobody in this room is more important than the other. Nobody. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're going to do, I'm not more important than you because I'm standing up here talking. We are equal because of our salvation. And we've got to break down those dividing walls and in our unity recognize that we're part of Christ. Faith in Jesus is the great heavenly equalizer. And that's what Paul wants us to recognize. That's what he was trying to get the church to recognize. Stop comparing, stop doing. Now, we have different functions. My function is to get up here and preach. You have a function too. Do it and do it well. But let's do it in unity. Let's not look around and be like, Donovan, you got to step up your game because look at what I'm doing. No, 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 no. You do what you do. Encourage yourself in what you do. Be who God has made you to be. Not a judgment, but in equality. And the final point that Paul makes, as if we need to be any more clearer or encouraged. It's already pretty encouraging, right? Is lastly, he says that we're heirs to the kingdom of God. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. You are his offspring and heirs according to the promise. We have inheritance and we have representation now. So inheritance is interesting. And, and when I look at this, when we look at all of these promises, I think the thing that we tend to think is that these are all dynamics that might come in the future. Like we've got an inheritance in the future and yes, I'll go to heaven and I'll be a child of God. And yes, I'll go to heaven and I'll be clothed with Jesus. These are all now. The tense that Paul is using in this is not someday. What he's saying is right now. Right now, today, because of your faith, you are a child of God. Right now, today, because of your faith in Jesus, you are clothed with him. We are unified. We are equal now. Of course, in heaven we'll be equal too. We've got to start looking for what it's going to be at some point and recognize the now. When you wake up tomorrow, these are the things that identify you, not based upon you and your identification, based upon what God has said of you. And he says, you're now heirs, heirs to receive my name and everything that goes with it. It's like you carry the family crest around with you. The things that you do are an inheritance now. When you walk around with a crown on your head representing as an ambassador Jesus Christ. 
You are a representative of him in every area that we move in this church. And I know we move in a lot of areas. So as an heir, you also want to make sure that you represent well. You want to make sure that you're representing the family well. Doesn't always go right. I speak from, from firsthand experience today. Doesn't always go the way that you think. I know that I didn't represent my parents in seasons well, but what God is saying in this is recognize that you are an heir. You have everything that you need. You walk around with the ring. You're recognized in the holy realm by demons and angels as a child of God. There is no putting that aside. There's nothing you can do to lose that. That is who you are right now and today. So as we move in that, I think it's important for us to just recognize what does that mean for us? I say amen to this entire section. A realigning of my perception, my filters in which I see myself, but also just anchoring our lives yet again this morning to how God sees us. So I think if you're like me, you can kind of look around and become pretty overwhelmed. Pretty overwhelmed with the things that you face today, right? Pretty overwhelmed with the mistakes you've made. You can be disappointed with the people around you. You can be frustrated. But it's important to recognize that through all of that, God has named you. There is an identity that you hold and an airship that you have to the kingdom of the Lord God Almighty. God is sovereign in the midst of everything that we experience. We have to allow God's truth to wash over us and inform our hearts and our minds of this promise today. Before the coming of this faith, we were held custody under the law, locked up until faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under that guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children, children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have now clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew or Gentile, neither slave or free, nor is there male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are part of Abraham's seed, part of that promise and heirs according to that promise that was given. So as we move forward, we get rid of this. We get rid of this even in our own lives where we have established things that have taken away from this faith that God has given us. And we grab a hold of the fact that we are children. We are clothed with Christ. We are one with Christ, and we are heirs to the kingdom. So your application today is this. Live in your identity. Every day. In the good things, in the bad things. Let your identity be, be the thing that speaks to you. Not the schemes of the enemy. Not the wrongs and the sins and the flesh and the patterns of this world. Live in your identity. Own it. Be it. Because you are. Why do we keep getting in the way of that? I don't know. I'm asking myself that question. Why do I allow the enemy to redefine who I am? Why do I allow myself to even do it? I don't have the power to save. I don't have the power to condemn. Why? Well, one of the things I'm going to try to do this week, even today, 
is live in my identity and live in this promise. So no matter what's going on for me today, there is a promise that has been put upon me. There are promises for the people that are around me. Promises that I can find in Philippians. That he who began a good work will see it on to completion. I can believe that promise. There are promises that have been given to me that my God will never leave me or forsake me. There are promises in Joshua 1 that no matter where I go, God will go with me. So be strong and courageous. Even if it looks like a mess. Even if I don't want to go there. Jesus will be with me. These are the promises that we have to live in the midst of. If you don't know those promises, start reading scripture in a way that you discover what they are for you. They are real, they are relevant, and they are today. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I thank you for who you are in my life. Thank you that I am your child. Thank you that you love me in ways that I don't even realize. I thank you that you love us, the people in this room that follow you in ways we don't even realize. Holy Spirit, I pray you would open the eyes of our heart. You would show us who you are, that we might live in our identity and live in these promises, that we might in our own lives change the way that we see things, the way that we get frustrated, the fear that might overwhelm us, and just be able to embrace who you are, Father. We thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Amen. All right, I've got a little story to tell. think I'd be speaking two Sundays in a row, but here we are. Um, I was driving here this morning with my brother, who's playing the bass over there. He's rocking out. He's doing good. Um, And we were just talking just life stuff, right? Struggles and and what it's been like for us. And um, he told me about a little exchange he had between him and Bella Veroni, who's in Uganda right now and is struggling through some sickness and and stuff. Um, it's been really, <laughs> I was pretty encouraged to hear what she told him. He just brought up some of the things that we're going through, you know. Parents are thousands of miles away, and and we're just trying to figure out how to live here, and especially him doing school, and there's a lot. <laughs> um, but he brought that up, and, and Bella's response was, yeah, that's all, that's all real, that's all hard but let's not get the hard stuff or not let the hard stuff get in the way of us worshiping the Lord don't let that stop us because he knows it's hard and he knows it's going to be difficult at times um, but he asks that we still come and worship him because that's about all we can do sometimes so I just encourage and ask you guys, you can go ahead and stand up if you want to, no pressure, but let's, let's worship and let's not let all the things we got going on get in the way of that.
to fear I am a child of God even when it's hard I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God
Doesn't matter what I see, my hope will always be in your promises to me. Now I'm casting out all fear, for your love has set me free. My hope will always be in your promises to me. One. <laughs> Changing the mood up. It's dancey. So dance, please. <laughs> or clap, you know. Move. <laughs> All right. Shout about it. I am a child. 
I'm supposed to <laughs> have a good week, guys. Let's go be children of God.